0: Well, this morning we're concluding this message series where we have been taking a look at the opportunity of, to use the changing of the calendar from 2020 to 2021 as an opportunity to make some changes in our lives. And we began by considering some of the lingo and the lessons that we learned from 2020 and, and how we as Christians can apply what we've learned. <clears throat> learned. We then looked to Scripture for affirmation that we are fully and completely equipped to accomplish the purposes. God has established for our lives. And there was a lot of comfort in that in hearing that God has or will give us everything we need to do what he's called us to do. And last week, we were reminded of the necessity of putting our faith in action. And we even reconciled the truth that we are saved by God's grace and not by anything we've done. Yet faith without works is meaningless or dead as described in the Bible. And we, we reconciled that a little bit to understand how both can be true. And today we're going to recognize our frailty in all of this as we acknowledge that we often stumble but this is going to be a message of encouragement, okay? But mostly out of curiosity, I asked Google, I said how long do most new year's resolutions last? And I anticipated it wouldn't be very long, probably a few months at best, and I was partially right. It says only about 40% make it beyond mid-February. And while I was looking through the results of my search, I came across a USA Today article um, was written about this time of year in 2019, and it stated that they had done a survey, and they found that most resolutions fail on January 17th. Now, I don't know the significance of that date, but most resolutions, they said, fail on that date. Now, I don't know if this is true, and I'm certainly not going to debate the val- validity of the story, but isn't it interesting that the day I decided to share a message about struggling, stumbling, and even failing it falls on January 17th. And I had written this message long before we had, I'd found that article. But are they right? How are you guys doing? And I won't call them resolutions, but with any goals you've set, are you doing okay with them? Are we, are we keeping up the good fight? But let me share with you some encouragement from the Apostle Paul. And this is from this week's scripture, remember that, that Mark read. It's Galatians 6, 9. It says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now we know that God has called us to do certain things and also to not do certain things, right? The thou shalt nots. The truth is that life is difficult. It's not bad, but sometimes it can be difficult. And there are a lot of things that can trip us up along the way. And we are called to push through the tough times, many of which have a purpose in our lives. And we've talked about this, the the. We talked about focusing on the right thing. We focus so much on the problems and not the lesson to be learned. And we are encouraged by, by God to keep working, to keep trying and to keep progressing down the right path. Now, Pastor Jack Hiles has shared a few thoughts on the topic. I'm gonna give, share a couple of his quotes. He says, success is on the same road as failure. Success is just a little further down that road. Or how about this? The difference between success and failure is work. But the most fundamental thing that you need to understand before we go much further this morning is this. First, your life has purpose. It has purpose. Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you believe that? Do you? If not, is that because you aren't confident that you know what God has called you to do? And that's a, that's a fair question. Because God has perfectly and completely equipped you for his purposes in your life. That's a promise. And if you aren't confident that you know what that is, let's talk. Right? We have opportunities to speak, you and I, or find a good partner or friend, and let's, let's dive into what could God possibly want me to do. And there's some very practical things you can do to see, what am I good at? What do I enjoy? Because that's the way God wired you. And how can I use that for a way that's fulfilling Paul also writes in Philippians 3.14, he says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He knows you press on, it's a race. You gotta keep working, you gotta keep going. In Jeremiah 29.11 are these these words that we often hear. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And we often focus on the second part. It says, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We, We lean on that in times of crisis to say, God's got this, God's in control. But don't forget, the first sentence says, God has a plan for you, and it's a good one. And I often talk about the double-edged sword of free will. We can do everything we want, but it's not all good. It's not all good for us. Yes, you can choose to pursue your own goals, your own agenda, but you may not be equipped to be successful. Furthermore, it's likely that you will not find true satisfaction because the limited size and the limited shape that's within you is filled by something that isn't meant to be there. And and you need to find something that provides total joy and satisfaction that only can be filled by what God himself has created for you. And when we commit to the Lord and his purposes, as Proverbs 16.3 says, says, He will establish your plans, okay? He will support you. He'll put the ground beneath your feet so you can keep moving that direction. What does that mean? It means that you will find satisfaction. You will find joy and you will find success as scripture defines these things, not as the world defines them. What we find is we often pursue things of temporary worth or superficial value, but God's promise from Matthew 6, is that when we seek his kingdom, when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be given to you as well. Now, if you read that in context, you find what are these other things? And that's all the things that we truly need. Don't worry about food, about the clothing and shelter. Yes, be good stewards, do the things you need to do. But when you seek God and say, God, I'm gonna seek the most important things and I'm gonna let you handle the details. And he does every time. So the first thing we really need to understand is that our life has purpose. And the second thing we need to understand before we go any further is that we're all on a faith journey, right? A path to salvation. The path to salvation is mostly described by what is called the Roman's Road and and we've done this in the past. I'm not gonna spend too much time going into the individual details of the scriptures and stuff, but there is a nice path that tells the story that is the pathway to salvation, and this is very familiar or important to be familiar with. And this morning, I'm just gonna hit some of the highlights of the scriptural stepping stones, okay? And these are all found in Romans. There's no one righteous, not even one, okay? No one's righteous. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, okay? We all struggle, we all sin. And the, the wages of sin is death. Now, death is separation from God. Now, that's the story. and That's where we're all at. If, if we go no further... We all have sinned. None of us are completely righteous and we all fall short of of God's glory. Now, here's where the good news comes. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And he goes on, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, which we are, Christ died for us. And it continues on in Romans. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, there's your salvation from death. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Now we're a little further down this road. And it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, no longer separation. Through whom we have gained access by faith and to his grace in which we now stand And lastly, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you still a sinner? Yes. Should you be doing a better job? Yes. But because of the last paths of that Romans road that says Jesus came, he died for you while you're sinning. Now you've got a path, you've got access, you've got faith and you've got grace. You are no longer condemned. You're no longer condemned. You have hope. And this is a universal path to salvation for all people. Whether someone believes in it or doesn't, it doesn't absolve them from this responsibility, this path. It just means they haven't gotten to the point where Jesus died for them, because he did. He died for us all. They're stuck at that step. And, and, and he's waiting on them to accept the gift. Now, the apostle Paul writes in Philippians 3.14, he says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize, salvation, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, right? We press on. We keep, we keep moving forward down this road. And we are all on this path to salvation at different places along the way, but on the same journey. Every one of us, despite our, our diverse backgrounds and we aren't as diverse as some groups, but we, you know, we're all at different stages, different ages, and, and, and we're all on the same path. We're just trying to get to salvation, to glory, And we have something else in common too, okay? We face obstacles. And one of the most persistent and tenacious stumbling blocks is Satan himself. Now, Billy Graham, everybody's heard of Billy Graham. He once said, don't think of Satan as a harmless cartoon character with a red suit and a pitchfork. He's very clever and powerful. And his unchanging purpose is to defeat God's plan at every turn. And here's where it gets interesting. Including his plans for your life. I'll tell you what, you may not... Realize what God's plans for your life, but God knows and Satan knows. One of them's really pulling for you. The other one's trying to do everything to knock you off that path. Now, Scripture gives us several warnings in this area. It says, it advises that we, don't, we shouldn't give the devil a foothold, and you've heard that expression. And, and this happens by doing things like withholding forgiveness, resentment, anger. That's a place where the, Satan just loves us. Get in there. You heard it, going to bed angry, right? That's not just good marital relationship advice. That gives the devil a foothold. That kind of stewing resentment, he loves that stuff. And there are several other ways to put a chink in, in, in our faith-like armor, if we allow it. 1 Peter 5, 8-9 says this, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking to, for someone to devour. Resist him, resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Did you know that? Whatever you've gone through, whatever you're going through, you're not in it alone. Someone has gone through it too. And I found something on on my, um, I don't even remember what it was, a social media page of, of some kind, and I had forgotten to include it, but luckily I took a screenshot. And it says this It says, One day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now. This is what I love and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. One day you will tell your story and it'll become someone else's survival guide. Someone else has already given you a survival guide. You aren't the first person to suffer a job loss, a failed relationship, financial woes. In fact, the Bible itself is is filled with stories of people like that. And as we learned at Christmas, the story's still being written. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from me. Now, why would this very powerful creature flee from me? Because he's not afraid of Tyler. He's afraid of my savior. And I speak in his name. I pray in his name. I make commandments in his name. That battle's already been won, right? Devil needs to check the scoreboard, right? And we know that Satan can be an obstacle for our faith journey, but he isn't the only one. A subtle, more powerful one, at least for me, is discouragement, right? This is where someone could go, amen, because this is, this is a tough one. 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9 says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. American theologian Tim Keller says, if our identity is in our work rather than in Christ, success will go to our heads and failure will go to our hearts. And this reveals to me that we can easily get discouraged when we are focusing on or pursuing the wrong things, like pleasing others. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Now, if you're working for the Lord, it's real hard to get discouraged because you're working for the Lord's favor, okay? And he loves you unconditionally. But if you think you're working, if your perspective is you're working for someone else, and they don't recognize the work you're doing, whether it's at work or home or wherever it may be, you know, then you're discouraged. Well, why should I try? Where's my joy? Where's my motivation now? It's a stumbling block to your faith. Now I don't think I'm gonna try 100% like the Bible says I should try because I'm discouraged. Another one is pursuing worldly pleasures and the world's definition of success. Again, from Philippians, this is 2, 3 through 4. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. This is the premise of my ministry. Be third. God first, that's scriptural. Others before ourselves, that's scriptural. But don't forget yourself. Be third. And if if I am my third... And you're my second and my second and my second. I'm all of your seconds too. It's amazing how we can encourage and edify. There's a a church word, right? Encourage and build up and strengthen each other, right? Sometimes it's hard if you think you're your your own cheerleader, but when you realize you're surrounded by cheerleaders in this world and in the heavenly realms, it's easier to fight that discouragement. And if Satan and discouragement, which I would argue is one of the most effective tools again, can become blocks, and certainly sin itself can too. And I'm not just talking about obvious sin. You know, we know the 10 commandments, the 10 thou shalt nots, but there are some thou shalts too, right? Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, love others. We are to forgive. The Great Commission, he says, go, right? Don't just stay there, but go. Do, put your faith in action. okay. So sin can, can get in the way of, of, of this path we're on. But also there's unrecognized sin. And these are some things maybe we, maybe we have a little bit of tolerance just because we, of what we get exposed to or maybe we're in denial about, about it. So we need to really be familiar with what sin is and, and we ask God to reveal it. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Now, about a year and a half ago, I, I shared a message and I called it um, Risky Prayers, right? Risky Prayers. God, I'm lacking wisdom. Please show me the areas of my life where I need to do better. That's a risky prayer because he's gonna do it and it's not gonna feel good, right? Hey, you're not giving 100% at work. Hey, you know, you're doing whatever you need. Hey, you're, you're telling half-truths to, to really make yourself look better to others. These are the things that that God will do. It's a risky prayer, but it's an absolutely necessary one. So these unrecognized sins, ask God to reveal them to you. He already knows what they are, but you need to know what they are. And what about understated sin, right? This is, again, maybe a little level of tolerance, maybe a little bit of hypocrisy, right? All sin is bad in God's eyes, right? All sin is bad in God's eyes. And and I didn't kill someone, but I lied to that person. Sin, that's a sin. It does get in the way of this path that God wants me on. And then and sometimes we can, like I said, we can lose some, some of the, the, the sting and the edginess because we've developed tolerance because of what we see or what we're around that says, that's okay now. And I wanna remind you from Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, Right? You don't just go along with peer pressure when you know it's wrong. wrong. So we've got you know the obvious sin, we've got the unrecognized sin, the understated sin, and then there's that secret sin. Okay, this is the one that probably has some shame tied to it. Now, here's what's important: you have to reveal that to God. And here's what's strange: God already knows it. Why do I need to tell God I'm sorry that I did this if He already knows it? Because it's an important step for us. Okay? We need to repent, we need to be forgiven. I tell you what, I, every now and then, would you say, Sherry, every now and then I mess up? Periodically? You have before. I have before, okay? So there's, she implies once, and we'll go with that. If I just said, I'm sorry, and I don't know what I'm apologizing for, how sincere is that? I'm sorry I upset you, but I may not be sorry for what I did. God needs us to say, I'm sorry for blank. You've got to pull out that secret sin, and it's not going to feel good at the moment. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14 says this. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. Now this fear is revere God, respect God. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment including every hidden thing whether it is good or evil. You don't have to be showy with your goodness. God sees it. You don't have to be showy with the badness. God sees it too. And First John 1, 9 is really the important promise here. If we confess our sins, and I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna speak with, with some authority and, and some hopefully a little bit of um, prophecy here and say, when, when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you and purify you from unforgiveness, okay? There's hope. So Satan, discouragement, sin, they'll all create stumbling blocks, but another less obvious one is, is losing our perspective, Now, Proverbs has a couple things to say on this. It says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. There's that word again, wisdom. God, show me wisdom. If you don't know what your purpose is, how do you know if you're not pursuing it? If you don't recognize the sin or your discouragement or or Satan's act in your life, then how can you fight it, right? Where there's no revelation, where there's no knowledge, you cast off restraint. You don't have those safe, loving limits, those boundaries that protect you. Proverbs nineteen twenty one: Many are the plans in a person's heart, but as the Lord's purpose it prevails. We talked about Jonah a couple times the last two weeks. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. We know what happened to Jonah. Okay, God's purpose will prevail. How painful is that lesson going to be before you learn it? And what opportunities and blessings are you missing in the meantime while you're messing around? 1 John 2, 16-19. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Kingdom perspective. And last, and you'll recognize this one, Matthew 16, 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? If you go after the things of very little value at the expense of of the thing of most value and that's your soul. And they ask this question, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Nothing, it's priceless. And a final stumbling point I wanna share with you this morning is this, trying to do any of this on your own. John 5.30 says, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. But the first sentence is the key there by myself, I can do nothing. Jesus said, by myself, I can do nothing. If Jesus needs God, how much more do I? Proverbs, I love these little, think pearls of wisdom, these little fortune cookies. 1522, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now that is not an excuse to go have a huge committee, but if you want some instruction, you want some guidance, you want some good input, ask someone but they think someone trusted. And really this is what church is about. The purpose of church is established in God's word. In fact, Acts talks a lot about the establishment of the church and Acts two forty two, particularly describes early churches this way. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, right? This is the, the gospel. And to fellowship, very important. And to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Fellowship is where a lot of this stuff happens, the accountability, the encouragement. So let me tell you again the purpose of the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Fellowship, the breaking of bread into prayer. And this is why accountability is so important and for many reasons you can't always identify or work your way around the stumbling blocks in your own life. Proverbs 25 offers this piece of wisdom. It says, the purposes. is of a person's heart or deep waters. Now, is that true? Is it complicated? But one who has insight draws them out. You may not see the stuff that's going on or troubling you. That's why you need a trusted friend. That's why you need a savior. That's why you need the nudgings of the Holy Spirit. And if you're looking for one takeaway from this morning's message, your action step this week should be this. God will guide you. God will lead you. He will encourage you. Okay? Proverbs sixteen three says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans, right? Ask, commit. He will guide, he will lead, he will encourage. Psalm 37, four, five, these, these words of praise says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. This is what he will do. It says, he will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Man, I want God's blessing. He's telling me how to do that. Now, as the title and the slide on the screen imply, we we will fail, we're gonna fall, but we need to fail forward towards the direction of Christ. Don't, out of fear or hesitation, stop or worse, retreat. Keep moving that direction. Every discouragement, every chink in the armor that, that Satan tries to exploit should keep you pressing forward. Dig your feet in hard and, and Luckily, we're in football season, so we have some great examples. You ever seen some of the really good players as they're tackled? What do they do? They stretch out. They get the ball across the, the goal line, the first yard, uh, first yard line, wherever they need to do. They don't stop where they're at. They run, and, and, and it's crazy sometimes. They give them the ball, and they're like, just run into the crowd and see if you can get a little further. Uh, but that's what we're told to do. There's a lot of stuff going for us, and there's a lot of stuff going against us. Sometimes we have to run right in that crowd and fall forward and see what kind of progress we can make. And I'm gonna conclude by leaving you with just these two thoughts. The first is from 2 Peter 1 through 10. It says, so dear brothers, work hard to prove that you really are among those. Sorry, let me start that over. So dear brothers, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Okay, you are. So he's saying work hard to prove that. He says, then you will never stumble or fall away. One last quote it says, failure is not the opposite of success. It's a part of success. Do not be discouraged. Let's pray. Father God, whether we've set some ambitious goals and we're doing great, we've set some goals and we're struggling or we just, to a point where we, we're having trouble getting motivated, Lord, you've called us to make changes in our lives to become more like you, to rely on you and, and above all, to spend an eternity with you. Lord, as we go down this narrow path that honestly is is well laid out, the first couple steps have been done. We are born into the sinful world. Lord, you sent your son to save us. You gave us an opportunity, a pathway to grace. Now, whether we've already taken that first step or we need to remember that we've taken that first step or we've got some more work to do there, Lord, or we're fairly way down that, that path, Lord things have come along that have stumbled us that have caught us up, whether it's a situation, a per- person, a, a decision, uh, a circumstance, whatever it may be, Lord, help us to fail forward, always working towards you, like the apostle Paul let's finish that race let's let's keep striving after that prize, Lord this morning, regardless of whether we're we're thousands of people or, or dozens of people, Lord you. You know that in this room, there are things that we need to be working on. You know that there are obstacles in this very room. So my risky prayer is this reveal to us our sin. Reveal to us our obstacles. Reveal to us anything that that is keeping us away from the joy that you want us to experience. Anything that's keeping us away from that relationship that you want us to enjoy. We want to have a life, and as you promised it, to, to have it abundantly. Let's work out our kinks here so we have an eternity with you where we can just revel in the glory of our salvation. Father God, as always, I just want to conclude this message, this prayer, with a word of thanks for who you are, a God who cares, a God that's provided a way. Lord, I thank you for this church, this congregation, this building. I thank you for everybody gathered here this morning, those listening online. May you continue to bless us all. May you instill us with wisdom. May you instill, put people in our lives and their paths that have wisdom, your wisdom, that continue to point us towards you in moments where we may not feel like we are able to. God, we thank you for our forgiveness. We for, ask your forgiveness for our sins, and we ask your continued guidance and leading in our lives. Amen.